that's the surprise that the data shows younger people care about these issues and they they care in a practical sense because they want to learn. They want to learn from people who've been there before. And the picture that is painted is often that young people don't want to hang out with older people. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, and I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host. And we're doing something a little different today. I'm speaking with Charlotte Jap, who is not middle-aged. In fact, she's a millennial. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now hold on, you baby boomers and Gen Xers. I want to know what popped into your mind when I said millennial. Could it have been selfies? Uh, lazy? Entitled? Obsessed with social media. Those are some of the the classic uh, words, right? Well, listen up. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? Back off. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm going to guess that like me, you might be confusing Gen Z with the millennial generation. I mean, how old do you think millennials are? The time span of that generation is huge, first of all. It includes anyone born between 1981 and 1996. So that's anyone aged 25 to 40. 40. Much older than I would have expected, I guess. I don't know. I had millennials younger in my brain. So anyway, Yvonne, you may be wondering, why are you interviewing a millennial on your show and why should I listen? Well... Charlotte Jap is doing something I think is extraordinary. She has started a two-way intergenerational mentoring program called Circle Up. It's C-I-R-K-E-L, Circle. Um, Circle Up, which connects professionals across ages and career stages for mutual growth and two-way mentorship. Two-way mentorship. I think that's so cool. When I first heard about Charlotte and her mission, I got so excited. I knew I had to have her on the show, and I just can't wait for you to meet her and hear what inspired her to create this platform. Oh, but before we do, I do want to remind you to get signed up for the free workbook that I created for you called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. You can sign up to receive it as an email series with some ideas and practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. Um... So here's a question. Did you start the new year with high hopes of doing all the things and are already disappointed in yourself? So just just forget the new year, new you hype. You can do these at your own pace as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. And you can find a link to the sign-up sheet in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 32. Or you can find it on my Instagram feed as a link in the bio. Okay, enough of that. Here's Charlotte. Let's go. Hey, Charlotte. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Yvonne. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. I'm so excited to have you. A friend of mine had posted something to LinkedIn that introduced me to what you're doing, and I read about it, and then I instantly went and watched one of your uh, one of the videos with you in it, and I, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get her on. I've got to talk to her. So thank yeah. you. 
That was Linda, was it? It, it was Linda. Yeah. Yes, yes. And she, She's I think, so had been introduced to you through Amazing Community, which I still want to connect with them because I keep hearing awesome things about them. Yes, too. you should. You should get yeah. on the newsletter. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would love to hear the story about how you got started with Circle. Like what was your, what was the germ of the idea for you and doing what you're doing now? Yeah, so it all started, um, I guess, you know, you look back, you're like, oh, this all led up to this moment. Um, but I think specifically my experience coming into the workforce was uh, really interesting because it was, you know, seeing the workforce with fresh eyes. And I had moved back home after college. I was living back with my parents um, in New York. And I had this funny experience of living with my parents and having this adult relationship, uh, seeing them as friends for the first time, you know, after growing mm. up and everything and going to college <laughs> and coming home. And then going to work at a youth media company called Vice. And I would go there every day, you know, make the commute for about an hour all the way to Brooklyn. And, you know, I had this really funny duality in my life where I had uh, basically a home life with my parents, you know, I was, as a millennial, I was living with baby boomers. And then I went to work and I was surrounded by other millennials. And I really didn't interact with anyone who was older than five or 10 years uh, than me in the workplace. So it didn't really hit me as that strange in the beginning because I was so excited about everything, you know, kind of taking in this new life, you know, working and learning things on the job and all this creativity that surrounded me. But when I put the two together and started hearing more about my parents' story, um, it seemed to be strange, you know, the, this kind of duality existing. And my parents had both experienced age discrimination being pushed out relatively young at 45 years old uh, from their corporate jobs. Wow, that is young. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think the statistics are really uh, at 50 years old that mm -hmm. it's 50% of workers get pushed out from long-term jobs. So it's young um, and I don't know all of the data behind it, but maybe because this is you know, in the 90s and then like 2008, you know, respectively between both parents, maybe that time was worse or those industries, whatever it was. Um, uh, so when, what as, year was it? Was it around 2008 with the financial crisis? It was 2008. Oh, that was my yeah. Mom. yeah. Yeah. I got laid off then too. <laughs> A lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but my dad had experienced it in 96. Um, I believe they're quite far apart in age, I should mention. So, uh -huh. um, so I, I grew up with this kind of awareness that it could happen because I was really young when it happened to my dad. And then I was a teenager when it happened to my mom and it became part of my own identity too. Just understanding that they were uh, forced to pivot and start afresh and all of the challenges that come with that I saw up close. And then I saw basically the consequences of you know, the other side of it, you know, what happens when older workers get pushed out and then you have these quote unquote desirable places to work, these cool places to work that are just run by young people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of hype around those kinds of startup like environments. Um, but the reality is when you talk to those workers and I, you know, I was talking to my peers about it, they really want to learn from older people who've been there before 
and they want to be trained and they want to be sort of, um, I won't say the word groomed because I think the freedom of learning on the job is really powerful, but when you feel like you're flailing and there's no support system in place to go look for help when you need it, I think that's problematic. Hmm. So when you keep the older and younger workers together, uh, apart from each other, you might run into bigger issues. Um, and I do not to sound scary, but I do see a crisis coming where you have all of this knowledge and the talent and experience being pushed aside and they're taking all that knowledge with them. And then you have these younger workers um, just kind of left to figure things out and make a lot of mistakes they could have avoided. Yeah. Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but then again, you know, I'm 52. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the surprise that the data shows younger people care about these issues and they, they care in a practical sense because they want to learn. They want to mm -hmm. learn from people who've been there before. And the picture that is painted is often that young people don't want to hang out with older people. And I will tell you, I think that millennials have gotten a bad rap. I'm just going to say that <laughs> nice and loud into the microphone. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. I, I, you know, that the whole thing that they, they don't want to work or they don't, you know, I look at it as from what I've seen, not to generalize about every single person that's a millennial, but I see a sense of wanting purpose in their work. And yeah. that's what I see. Yeah. And I think millennials like me watch their parents go through hurdles. And a lot of those parents didn't get the gold watch at the end of staying at a company for decades, you know, and I think that's why millennials are learning and saying, okay, I'm going to move around. I want to make a good salary. I'm going to play the game. Mm -hmm. um, and then they get penalized for it in the sense that, you know, they get that bad rep. So um, I kind of, I understand where that, that pattern comes from. And now Gen Z is coming into the picture and they're demanding, you know, even more flexibility around work and more um, mm -hmm. of an amenable work-life balance. And it's a good thing because now everyone can reap those benefits too, because yeah. companies are listening. And I think, you know, if anything good came out of this crazy year, I think that that could be one of the good things that came out of this year is, is the real the realization that people can work from home and work remotely and be even more productive um and hopefully their bosses are trusting them to do that and uh and getting them set up to mm -hmm. succeed you know um so hopefully there is more flexibility uh in the workplace coming for everyone i hope yeah yeah i think we'll get there it's going to be an adjustment and there will be mistakes made along the way, but yeah. it's, you know, that's life, that's work. We have to make the mistakes and learn. Yeah. Now I remember when I was the, when I was first listening to you speak about it and you were talking about um, how this kind of started with, with you and your parents and kind of them giving you advice about your career and then you kind of helping them out on the tech side. What, what do you tend to see in the relationship between the younger generation and the older generation? Is that pretty standard that that's how that breaks down? Or are there any surprises in the mentoring relationship that you've seen between generations? Like what, have, yeah, how does I think, that usually I, play out? 
I didn't even get to that part of the story because we <laughs> we got excited and went down the road of age segregation in the workplace. But um, but the antidote to that whole experience was this two way mentoring relationship and the coaching that we gave each other where they could look at my issues from a very broad perspective and help me strategize, you know, uh, the correct response or the email to write or when to speak up and when not to, you know, picking my battles and navigating those office politics. Mm -hmm. And I was giving them a lot of intel um, on how to promote themselves better as a business and how to tap into, I don't know, cultural trends or things that were happening in, um, so for example, my mom works in art. So I was also very, uh, close to the art world from an editorial and creative perspective so I could give some insights about cool galleries that were opening or interesting artists that were coming up uh, mm -hmm. from a more grassroots perspective. So yeah. really complimentary. And I, I think that actually has remained true for the connections that we've made through Circle. I see um, a lot of commonalities in what people in their 50s, 60s, 70s are looking for when they want to meet younger people to learn from them. And it's along the same lines, how do I promote myself? I have a business. How do I leverage uh, all the available tools out there, social media um, to promote myself, especially because a lot of those people have been pushed out of a traditional corporation and now they have to make their own way. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking as a photographer who I work with um, small business owners and entrepreneurs who are trying to um, work on their personal brand and connect with their audience. And I, I feel like um, a lot of people my age and older are very uncomfortable with the idea of promoting themselves on, on a personal level um, or putting themselves at the front of their business because it feels like a, oh, look at me, look at me. And they think of it as that younger person always with the selfie and the thing. And, and that's not really what it's about. It's, it's about communicating who you are so that your, uh, so that your customers and your audience get to know you and they get that no like and trust factor. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like that that is something that could definitely be taught to the older generation by the younger generation. Yeah. You guys have it actually, down. <laughs> it's actually so funny you mentioned that because I literally had this moment with my mom and she's going to hear me tell the story now, but we were, um, we were looking at this big auction that she had helped put together and she'd been working on it for two years or so and put a lot of time into it. And she was actually gonna be able to take um, a commission from the sale. So it was important that people showed up for it and you know that the sale got promoted. And when she posted it on LinkedIn, she didn't know what to say and didn't wanna like promote herself too much. You know, she felt like basically the language that I gave her may be a little bit too me, me, me. <laughs> You know, check me out. Look what I did. But the reality is like on a platform like LinkedIn, you have to do that. And it's a way to show to your contacts that your work is paying off and that you are still, you know, you still got a hand in the game and you're doing big things. Otherwise, you know, how are they to know? And unfortunately, I had to learn that lesson myself pretty early um, in my career where I didn't promote myself enough and I didn't get good you know, a good performance review. So from now on, I'm like, okay, I'm playing the millennial self-promote game, but a lot of people 
who come to Circle are actually looking for that same help in the younger people they meet. Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Are there any um, standout, like, I don't know, case studies or any, any, anybody that's been part of circle where you kind of look back and look at how the, the relation, well, I have so many, I just thought of another question. Like, how do you match people up? <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like a match.com. Like <laughs> what do you have? Like an algorithm you use? Like, what is it? Or you just look at a couple of profiles and go, Oh, these two people would go well together. So I think considering that we met, we make a lot of matches every month. It's amazing that we do it quite uh, in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. So because everyone is onboarded individually with a face-to-face interview, plus the application data, uh, plus our own little you know digging when we're writing each person's bio, which is something that we do right now. So we do have a good sense of each individual person. Um, so for the, I would say it's like 70% uh, done by humans literally sitting on Zoom and having a conversation about each person who they should meet, um, and about thirty percent an algorithm that we've built. Um, it's it's kind of cool to see when the algorithm actually makes suggestions that make a lot of sense and we hadn't thought of it. So that's those are cool moments for us uh-huh. because we are really good at making matches. So uh, we're very weary to jump in that direction too far, but. Um, the thing I wanted to say was that unlike an obvious matchmaker that looks for, you know, as many things alike as possible, like similar industries, similar backgrounds, similar skill sets, all that stuff, we actually look for where people complement each other. So what are the skills this person has? That person too really wants to learn, you know, make mm. sure they match so that they can share those skills. What's an industry that person one has worked in that person two is trying to get into, you know, that matches so that person two can learn about it. Mm-hmm. So it's about compliments and actually the gaps between people uh, that we lean into rather than similarities. Yeah. Very cool. And are there any, any good stories or a little, uh, little tidbits? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, sometimes I feel bad because I use some of the examples so many times, but like you know, there's only a handful that I know about from like emailing people and saying like, hey, how'd it go? Or, you know, hearing someone email me a story. But so one really great one is between two women. They met our first month of launch. So September, 2019. And we introduced them to each other because there was this common thread of, um, you know, an interest in mental health and uh, a sense of wanting purpose and work. And so the younger woman, Kate, uh, she was working at a newspaper. She was doing a lot of kind of ad sales, you know, brand partnerships type work and uh, had always been really interested in, you know, she loves on being the podcast. Like she's really into thinking big, you know, (laughs) like she wanted to see if her career could go more in that direction and Uh less in the big biz space. So uh, she met Leslie and Leslie was 40 years older than her They're still 40 years apart and they're still best friends right now. But um, so Leslie had been working for 40 years in uh, as a therapist. So she's got her, you know, master, or I think she has a PhD in social work um, and has been seeing clients for decades and uh, 
her goal was to become more of a thought leader. She kind of wanted that encore career of turning all of her work, uh, you know, doing mental health work with women and being more of a thought leader, speaking openly about it, writing blogs, you know, speaking on panels, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and didn't have the platform, like literally didn't have a website. So mm -hmm. they connected, they obviously just had the best time. They sat down for a drink back in the pre-COVID era. And they, I think they allotted like an hour for each other because they each made plans separately for dinner after, but they blew through the plans and sat down for two and a half hours wow. and they still meet over Zoom. They've met each other's uh, partners, like they have double dates, you know, it's really <laughs> special. And I think um, in a more tangible exchange, Kate, the younger woman, built a website for Leslie because of all of her brand experience. Uh, so Leslie now has a platform, literally a website to show off her thought leadership. Mm -hmm. And uh, Leslie's work in clinical psychology actually inspired Kate to go to social work school. Wow. So she just got admitted to NYU School of Social Work and she'll start next fall. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And Change I didn't lives, actually, Charlotte. Change in lives. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like there are things that I didn't I didn't even know about that until Leslie just kind of offhandedly emailed me. Wow. And I was like, what? This has all been happening the past year. Like that must have made your day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's like what the stuff those you are the about, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's very cool. What do you wish you had known when you decided to put this together? I think, um, I guess it's such a personal experience to start a company and, you know, when you're pivoting, as we're talking about, is common these days for people of all ages. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of courage to leave like a common identity or a personal identity that you had before. So a job you had or a career path and start something new. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, like how much you need to put yourself out there as the face of this thing that you're creating. Um, I didn't realize that when I was starting Circle, like I would be so attached to it as like a face. Mm -hmm. um, I sort of just wanted to create this platform for connection across generations. And I had to do a lot of talking about it. Like I had to introduce every event with you know, an opening mini speech. And I was, I remember standing there being like, wow, I really, this is annoying. I have to do this, right? I have to explain why we're here today. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> two and a half years later, I'm still doing that even more so. Like I'm posting all the time on LinkedIn. I'm like, we talked about promoting yourself. Like, yeah, I never realized that I would have to do that to this extent with something that is so... I don't know. It's like, you know, you create something and you're still testing it. Like I still, I'm still testing it, you know, making changes, getting people's feedback. And even during the testing process, I'm putting it out there. I'm selling it. I'm trying to, you know, share this baby with as many people as possible. Right, so right. Which is the best way that. to do it, right? You're getting like, you're getting that feedback you're iterating and, and, and it's growing as you go and you're getting yeah. feedback as you go. That's fantastic. Such a, I mean, how else can you do it? Right. You need to test it yeah, and learn. So I think that's probably the thing I maybe would have told myself at the very beginning, like just get used to it, go big now, like talk everyone's ear off about this thing. Um, I kind of did that anyway, but 
It just, so what did you do? Are you, me. do you get nervous um, speaking publicly? Was that, was that like just a personal um, obstacle that you had to overcome or did you uh, just not expect to have to do so much of it? Yeah, I didn't have to, I didn't expect to do so much of it. I think being in marketing and pitching a lot early on mm. actually thickened my skin and just was mm. like, all right, whatever this idea is, I'm going to have to sell it. You know, I have to speak up and, and love it for the client. Yeah. So when it's your own thing, it's really easy to do that. So I'm, I'm okay with it now. And what, when you face obstacles like this, what do you, is there anything you do like any little tricks you've got to push past your obstacles, your, your blocks? I think um, it always helps to get inspired, you know, to like, to, to read a book about an entrepreneur, to mm. read some blogs, <laughs> I don't know, read a, an article about myself. That's like, oh, okay, people like this thing, you know, like the little bit of reassurance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think seeing examples out there of different variations on what um, you're creating is always helpful. Not to say like, I don't really think there are examples of what I'm doing with Circle that exists exactly, but the examples of you know other women entrepreneurs uh, who went out on a limb, who didn't go to business school, who are just like really putting themselves out there and believe in what they're creating to the point yeah. where they make it. You know that's really inspiring. And I think the issue people talk about entrepreneurship being very lonely, and I think it's because uh, you can't necessarily talk about it with your friends. They just don't right. understand it. Right. So I, maybe that's another thing I would have told myself, like, don't expect, you know, your friends to get this immediate, like the whole starting a new thing thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you should really find other people who are in a similar boat and just <laughs> sit down and rant, you know, I like get you, it all that's out. been my big lesson of this year. Something about connecting with people that, uh, is, hugely empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, especially when it's harder than ever to do that this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, in the old way, at least we're, we're finding new ways to connect, but, um, you know, we've got to fight through the zoom fatigue because it's really uh-huh. worth it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What, what have you learned about yourself in doing this? I think I, so someone wrote, one of our blog posts about her own, she's um, 70 years old. She was writing about her intergenerational friends. Um, but she she wrote like this little sentence about me where she said, I have quiet confidence. And I thought that was the biggest compl- compliment ever because no one wants to be overconfident and never necessarily considered myself a confident person. But thinking back, I think my parents gave me a lot of positive reinforcement growing up and um, I do have a lot of self-reliance. Like I I am very much my own person. I like being alone. Um, Spent a lot of time in my teen years figuring out what I like and what I don't like. And I think all of that has, has like culminated in just being someone who I like myself and I like, um, you know, public speaking, surprisingly, you know, just, (laughs) but, you know, I just want to be as natural as possible, but, um, I've definitely found that about myself. Like I put myself in scary situations, you know, speaking in front of 2000 people or, you know, 
reaching out to CEOs over cold email, you know, just little risks that I've taken. Mm, um, I love I've never... it. You know what I'm hearing in that and tell me if I'm wrong, but um, I'm hearing this, this sense of uh, it being about the, the journey of doing this, that, and, and, and that kind of growth that you're experiencing as you go down this path. Yeah. 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 I think that's definitely true. Like pushing and your boundaries risks. and taking risks. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think anyone can be confident or a risk taker if you've, you've got the fire, you know, you believe in the thing enough or, um, you know, you give yourself enough love. You can, you can push through moments of doubt. Yeah. Yeah. The juice is in, I mean, really the juice I'm finding out too is in, it's in the hard stuff. It's in doing the hard things and pushing through that self-doubt. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's such a cliche. Like the, um, what do they say? Like make, you know, put yourself in uncomfortable positions and that's where you grow. And it's so cliche, but it's, I never understood (laughs) that until this year. Yeah. Yep. I think, and there's a reason it's a cliche, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, There, did you like in doing this over the past, what's it been a a year, year and a half? Uh, Technically two, two. Oh yeah. Cause it's 2021. Oh my goodness. Almost 2021. June, 2018. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you in, in, going down this path and pushing those boundaries and taking risks, did you find that you had to establish some new habits for yourself, some new routines, anything like that? Mm, I think, yeah, I think I've become really intense about like sectioning time, like blocking out time, Mm. live by the calendar. I mean, I guess a lot of people who work live by their calendar, but even if I see a friend, like it's going in Gmail and my calendar in Gmail, um, even if it's like a 20 minute catch up call or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was one point when I was applying for business school and I was studying for the GMAT and it, it, there was literally no time in my life, but I somehow made it all fit. And I think it's kind of amazing. Um, you know, people who are too busy, you know, it's like, Come on, there are, there are CEOs out there who like fit in a ton in a day and still respond to every email. So like, it's that kind of um, awareness of how you treat your time, mm-hmm. you know? So I think I've become like much more um, scheduling oriented. Lately, I've been trying to be pretty militant about working long every day. <laughs> Most people are trying not to do that, but I'm like, I need to work more. Uh-huh. So I want to get to 10, 10 to 12 hours a day. Wow. Um, yeah. I recently got into Pilates at home, which makes things really uh, better for this, the, the schedule, the calendar, you know, because you can fit it in when it makes sense. Yeah. And um, let's see, I walk my dog every day at like 5 p.m. And that's really what nice. Of, what kind it's a good of dog break. do you have? 
what kind a of yellow dog? lab named Aww. Leo. I can hear the yeah. little toenails clicking on the on the hardwood in the background. <laughs> I love I think it. He's eating his dinner right now. <laughs> so. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I, when you said that there are CEOs that fit it all in, and when I'm hearing you talk about blocking your time, getting it all on the calendar. Oh my gosh, I I, I live on my calendar, and if it doesn't, if if something doesn't make it to the calendar, it's most likely just going to be forgotten. I just yeah remember, but. Um, I think one of the things I'm learning and maybe you are too, is, uh, the need to draw boundaries, the need to say no, mm. if you got, if you're going to say yes to something, you automatically are saying no to something else anyway. So it, trying to learn how to be more intentional, um, and, you know, figure out how to draw boundaries. Have you yeah, found that? Yeah. And the same. Yes. I actually love that this year has not been very social because I've a lot of guilt saying no <laughs> Me too. Um, to any plans. So it's like, oh, I've, I have nothing to say no to. It's great. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to say though, which I can't believe I forgot is like how intense I've gotten about sleep, um, not sleep mm. schedule necessarily, but the things that need to happen to go to sleep. Tell, um, me, more. Tell me more. <laughs> like I think most nights I'll have sleepy time tea before bed mm -hmm. and and Love I it. realize that if I don't read, um, at least, you know, just a couple pages, I really have a hard time falling asleep. So I need to read before bed and I'm getting through some books that way, which is good. Do you read um, fiction and also, or nonfiction before bed? I alternate. Okay. Pretty much novel and mm -hmm. then like a business book. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, freshen it up a little, keep it interesting. Okay. So I was going to ask you this anyway. And since we're on the topic of books, are you reading anything right now that's that you're really liking, or has there been any kind of a book um, that has really been formative for you? Yeah. Um, I'm re I'm rereading Jane Eyre right now, cool. literally reading my high school version of the book. Um, I read it, um, and get, a, I think I get more out of it. I just missed a lot of things. When I was oh my gosh. I just reread um, A Tale of Two Cities and oh my oh, goodness, cool. there's so much I didn't get when I was reading it the first time. It's not, and, and right. I had a little trouble in the beginning. Like I was like, oh, it's best time. So it's first time. <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> like the way dense. Yeah, yeah. It, it is dense. And uh, yeah, it took a little doing to get until I could really get in and fo start following those characters. <laughs> Oh my goodness, what I must have missed in high school. <laughs> right. I know. So Jane Eyre and what else? Um, I read a business book a few months ago called Intercom on Starting Up. It's about the startup called Intercom. Uh -huh. It's almost like a, it's, it's a weird book because it's a business book, but it's very heavily designed and very quick read. But um, I thought that was really useful. Like it just took, you know, it takes you through some of the early stages of the company and um, very, very basic things about setting up a business that usually business books skim over because they're like, oh, um, you already know how to like um, price your product. You know, it's like, mm. no, this is something that people should be thinking about all the time. You know, you always revisit those pricing, you know, levels. One things of the like hardest that. things to do. One of the hardest things mm -hmm. to do is to put a price on things. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that was and really helpful. Do you remember who wrote that book? What, what was the title again? So it's intercom on starting up. Okay, great. And I'll put these in the show notes for people too. Anything that, um, comes up like this. Yeah. Cause that was written by its three founders. 
Okay. So it's kind of like a group project um, of a book. Great, great. I'll look it up um, and find the link for that. So cool. Yeah. I read The Power of Ritual by Casper Terkyle. It's a new book um, that he just came out with. He is a um, the Harvard Divinity School fellow. Mm-hmm. And so he's a very, he takes a very like non-religious approach to religion mm-hmm. and the book is about similar to what we're talking about rituals and how we bake in moments that give meaning to life. Mm. It's a really good book for quarantine. And Sounds like somebody uh, Krista Tippett would, would interview for on being actually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm actually, I'm sure he's on it. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to look that up for sure. Oh, very cool. Anything else? Then, Any other goodies for us? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone should read, shoe dog this kind of like a you know standard kind of entrepreneur book shoe dog um, i haven't heard that one shoe either. dog oh, by phil knight all kinds of good ones i don't know okay uh-huh yeah shoe, shoe dog, dog by, by phil, phil knight. knight he's the founder Ooh. of nike so it's about oh. him starting nike shoe dog there you go okay yeah. cool and then um th- so two more books that i want to mention so uh, New Power is another nonfiction book that's really um, insightful. It's about the way power structures work in mm-hmm. today's age and mm-hmm. how we're moving away from old power, quote unquote. Centralized power. Very centralized maybe. power yep. mm-hmm. to something more spread out to the people. Yeah, cool. And how to sort of create movements and, um, and a movement can be, you know, spreading a brand um, or it could actually be a social movement like Black Lives Matter, like how that spreads today, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that you know, social media works a certain way and our values have changed as people. Mm-hmm. So that was really, that's a really good book. And it, that was written by Henry Timms, who actually created Giving Tuesday, oh. and Jeremy Hyman's, who um, he runs a think tank in New York. He's a really smart guy. Very cool. Oh, and then the I'm last so thing excited. I wanted to give you, which I just had to look up because I, I don't know why I forgot this name. It's kind of a funny name. It's a novel that I read this summer called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. <laughs> and Tell it's written about by... that. Wait a minute, because this is hilarious. Sometimes I do think I'm going into early, um, early, <laughs> no. early dementia. No, whatever you're I saying. I know that no. title. What's, what's it about again? Remind me. And I'm, I'm like, did I read it? And I forgot I read it, but I, it's a great title. Yeah, it's about a young woman in England who is kind of strange. She's like a bit awkward and keeps to herself. And she works at an agency. Um, and basically you follow her life week to week as she fits, you know, it's very regimented lifestyle, no friends, no family. And, you know, it's really funny the way that it's written. And you basically find that her background had trauma. So you sort of uncover like this dark past um, and kind of her evolving uh, outlook on life and connecting with people. It's so funny it's because really when you good. said the title, I'm like, gosh, I, f- I, I know that title. And I feel like I'm like, did I read it this year? And I've just completely forgotten, but I don't think I have. So now it's definitely going top of the list. <laughs> yeah, it's by oh Gail goodness. Honeyman. Gail Honeyman. Okay. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Um, what are you excited about that's coming up? Anything? I'm excited about the new year. Cause I think 
<laughs> this is more of like in my little world, but there are a lot of like conversations I've been having in the last few months um, about bringing Circle to companies internally. Mm. And genius, you know, it's the end of, yeah. So it's, that's a really big opportunity for us and um, just kind of picking up clients. So because it is the end of the year, a lot of conversations will move into the next year. And, um, and, you know, a lot of connections are still being made all the time when I talk to people like you or, you know, speak on panels and stuff. So I'm excited to see where that goes and, and at what circle looks like um, in practice when it's put into, you know, a company. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, I was also, I don't think this is happening anymore, but or not for a bit until COVID is truly over, but um, I was supposed to teach at the Modern Elder Academy in Baja, and that was supposed to be in February. Oh. So um, it's a, it's, it was started by Chip Conley, the Modern Elder Academy. And it's a place where you go for a week or 10 days and you basically get trained on how to approach midlife. And I've got to check about, this out. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that tip. I'm going to go check yeah. it out right away. Wow. Cool. And Chip is amazing. So everything that he writes is so smart. <clears throat> um, but you know, it's like this beautiful estate in Baja and I was going to teach, you know, on how to connect across generations for a week or 10 days. Oh my so. gosh. What a dream. What a dream. Right. Well, it's going to happen. I can, I can feel it. It's even if it isn't in February, it's coming. Yes. Let's put the energy out there. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not in a hurry for like traveling in general. I think it'll happen when it, it'll happen. Real life will happen when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just be real life again. And this is like a really special time to slow down. Yeah. So, Although I will um, say when you say that real life thing, I, I heard something and I, I wish I, I was trying to put my finger on it um, today. The, the, this idea of this not being real life when really it is. And, and some, somebody yeah. that I listened to, it was so, they put it so much better than I could, but talking about how we're all waiting to get back to normal and they're, and their take on it is no matter where we go from here, the, the normal that we were used to is, is not going to happen again. We're going to constantly be um, stepping into change. You know, you can't step mm. into the same river twice. Mm. And um, so like, if we can all like take a step back and look at it as like, no, this, this is real. This is real. Um, hopefully we can get back to a little face-to-face and some hugging mm-hmm. uh, in the future. I would like that <laughs> to come yeah. back. For sure. Yeah. yeah, it'll be, I think it, the pace will pick up uh, after the, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's obviously a good thing because we need, we need things to move. But I think, um, as I was saying before, like that slowness of uh, not having plans every day after work, you know, like I'm, it's, it's a nice change <laughs> to, yeah. to just have more time at home. I feel you. Well, how can people find you? How can people get involved? What's the process like for that? Yeah. So we'd love to see more mm-hmm. of your audience join uh, Circle Up as members. Yeah. So Circle Up is the membership arm of Circle and you join by applying on our website, which is www.circle.world, C-I-R-K-E-L.world. And you fill out an application and then we, re- we reach out to you for an onboarding interview. 
And um, from there, we basically introduce you on a monthly basis to someone new and interesting who's relevant. Um, we also have a ton of virtual events. Um, so you can sign up for the newsletter on the website and that'll keep you in the know. Um, but I'm also very active on our Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, go to um, our page. It's CIR.KEL. CIR.KEL. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Thank you so much for taking time to come and talk to me today. This was great. I'm, and you know, I'm just going to say it now. I think I mentioned this to you the first time I talked to you. Maybe I could have you back at some point in the future and we could maybe take some questions from uh, my audience ahead of time and see if we can get the point of view of your generation via you uh, and see what you think about um, some of the questions people might have. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of be fun. Idea. Yeah. Let, it, let me know what you think, people, if you think that sounds like fun and maybe we'll yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it all right all right cool cool um oh again thank you so much yes thank you well there you have it isn't she awesome what do you guys think would you like to have a special episode that's a sort of question and answer session with charlotte i mean do you have any burning questions that you think could be best answered by a younger person I don't know. I don't know if that's a crazy idea, but I think it could be fun. So let me know what you think. Feel free to send me an email to latebloomerliving at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, send me a little message. If you want to know more about the Circle Mentoring Membership, get signed up for their newsletter or explore some of the books that we talked about. I'll have all that information for you in the show notes. Oh, and Charlotte has generously offered a deal for listeners of this podcast to try to um, try out the membership. Basically, you can sign up for the membership uh, at a discount of 50% off your first month with the code TRY50. That's T-R-Y-5-0. Um, and I'll also have that in the show notes for you. So just go to latebloomerliving.com slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 32. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.